How many of you are ready for the Word? All right, if you're ready for it, then let's say it for the Lord, all right? The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. You may be seated. I like it when it says, He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Mm. Don't be rebellious. Don't do like some people that if they see something in the Bible they don't like, they just mark it out with a magic marker or tear the page out. But anyway, with the Lord's help and the clock, I'm going to finish this message today that I started a few weeks ago. And uh, influenced by association. Now, we've, we've talked about our influence. So we talk about our influence on others and how we are to influence one another from a good standpoint. I didn't want to talk about our bad influences because I really want us to be thinking about our good influences that we uh, do good influences on people. We talked about our influences on our family. Uh, and the influence that we have one to another, the interaction, the influence that we have among our body of believers as we as a church, that we, uh, we are like uh, iron sharpens iron. We talked about that. We talked about the, me not being able to do that with the steel and the thing. Uh, but uh, we also talked about how others, God influ- other people that are our God influence on others and, and God's influence on us. Uh, we talked a little bit about the pastor's leadership and how he was an influence on us. He showed us what we do, but he really just showed us what Jesus said in his word, okay? And we talked about the association that we have with our families. Many associations that we have with our families are good. Some of them are good, but some of the associations that we have with family are bad. And there's, there's a word that goes around and is being used over and over, and I may have said this before, but people look for relationships, um, when I say I have a relationship with Toju, okay? Now, everybody would assume that if I said I had a relationship with Toju, that it was a good relationship with Toju. But I didn't say that. I just said I have a relationship with him. You really don't know whether it's a good relationship or a bad relationship, right? Now, I know I have a good relationship with him. But you may not know because I just said I have a relationship. I didn't define what the relationship was. We talk about, the, I've heard people get up talk about, in the Word of God, they talk about, the Bible talks about our having a relationship. To the best of my knowledge, and, and I stand to be corrected if you, can go find, if you can go find it, but relationships are not in the Bible. We're not to have relationships. We're to have Fellowship. In the Greek, it was, I don't remember what it was in the Hebrew, but in the, in the Greek, it's called koinonia. There's many people that, their fellowship hall, they call it koinonia hall, or, you know, uh, my church, that was what ours was called, because it was a place where we fellowship together. Now, when I say I have fellowship with Toju, what does it, that, that, there's no misunderstanding about what I have, because fellowship automatically assumes that it's good, Okay? So if we have fellowships, good fellow, if we have, if you have a good relationship, it is, 
fellowship, right? Well, God wants us to fellowship with Him, right? And we fellowship with Him. But we also, God wants us to fellowship with others. That means He wants it to be a good fellowship, or if you want to look, if you want to use the word relationship, He wants us to have good relationships. I don't like to use the word, but we'll use it for today just for that, right? But now, we've talked about association with families and whatever, but today, I'd like to speak to you about our association in the world. Now, there are many ways that we associate in the world. Anybody think of any ways that we associate with the world? You get up in the morning and you walk outside your door, and where are you? You are now in the world, right? You have now gone out in the world. The Lord told us that we had to go, we had to be in the world. We had to do that to exist. But he said that we're not to be of the world. In other words, do what the world says, right? But when we go out there, there's many ways that we have it. We can go to work. How many of you think that work has an influence on your life? Three of you? The rest of you? Okay. No. Work has a, an influence on you. Now, most of you come home after a day of work. It's been so, such a blessing. And you come home, you're refreshed. You're ready to go to, if you're a woman, you're ready to get in and do the housework that didn't get done that day. If you're a man, you come home and you go get that lawnmower and that edger you're, because that day you were so blessed at your workplace. All of the influence that you got. Listen to those customers who told you how wonderful that you've done that day and how blessed they are to have you to take care of them. And that their service is so good and you just feel so great. Now, how many of isn't that great to have that happen to you? Right? Amen. It's good. I just wish it happened every day because... Even work influences us, not just in our physical response to it, but also in our spiritual. Our spiritual response to the world is what drives our spirit down instead of lifting our spirits up. And so it's important for us to realize that in the association with the world, do we get good influences from the world? The world system. Very little. Okay? Because most of the world system, I would say all of the world system, but if I did, somebody would find something that would make me have to think or something. But as a general rule, as a general rule, the world is diametrically opposed to what you believe in your spirit and what God wants you to have in your life. But we cannot stop working. The Bible says if we don't work, we're an infidel. We're worse than an infidel if we don't supply the needs for our families and so forth. So work ethic is scriptural, contrary to getting something for nothing. When I was in sales many, many years ago, if I get the same, if I mess up on the same, give me a break here, but it says nobody gets something for nothing unless somebody somewhere is getting nothing for something. 
In other words, if you're getting something for nothing, somebody else, the other, right? Now, this pen is not the one from the church, but we're going to pretend it is. Now, I have this pen. Now, let's say I had on the side of it, it's got the Art Fellowship, right? It's got the Art Fellowship on the side of it. And there's some of them back there in the back, and you, you've seen them around. Now, if I get one of those, and somebody says, well, Brother Graham, you can take one of those home with you. Now, a lot of times I'll stick them in my pocket by mistake, and I take them home. Well, my wife collects them and brings them back. Right? But they're an advertising tool, and in essence, when you give one of them out, it costs you nothing. You now have an art fellowship pen that costs you absolutely nothing. But guess what? It costs this church to buy that pen to give it to you free. So you don't get something free without somebody having to spend something up here. And see, we have lost that, that part in the world is trying to tell us that you can get something for nothing. It doesn't exist. It may be nothing to you, but somebody had to pay for it, no matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. But these are the ways of the world. Now, we go to the world, we get influences. Then we go to get entertainment in the world. Entertainment is supposed to be good, right? But do we get all good? Can we have fun in entertainment? How many of you enjoy playing putt-putt golf? How many of you enjoy playing golf? How many of you like to fish? How many of you like to hunt? Okay. People like to do things, to entertain themselves. If you go buy some, if you go catch some fish and you've got too many of them, just bring them by the house. I'll help you eat them. Okay. But we get influences from there. But we also get influences from friends. And no matter where you are in the world, no matter where you are in the world, there's influence. Now, how we handle our association with the world will determine the influence it has upon our lives as Christians. Okay? It will influence us as our lives as Christians or our influence will be on the world. Which way is it? Are we influencing the world to our to what God wants or are we there Letting them influence to us what they want us to have. It's easy to see all the stuff that's there. And what's the first thing that we try to do? We compromise the influence. We try to justify why they do it. And why we need to accept it because we have to identify with them. We identify with him, not them. Okay? Our influence comes from here, not from out here. Okay? That's the reason why it's good for us to be together, come together in the house of God, because we are an influence on one another, good or bad. But we hopefully will get more good influence here than we get bad influence, right? So, John chapter 17 says, I have given them your word. This is Jesus talking about. He's talking about the disciples. He says, I've given these guys your word. He's talking to his father. 
And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. So when you go to your work, to your place, to your part of the world, and you let your light shine, your Christian life shine, people are many times going to make fun of you. Okay? Well, they didn't like Jesus. They hated him. They crucified him. And he said, here. But just as, he said, but just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you will take them out of the world. I do not pray, Father, that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So it's not so much that we don't go out into the world, but it's when we go out into the world, we need to pray every day before we go, God, let me be the influence on the world. Don't let the world influence me. Because they want to put on you and burden you down with things that compromise what you believe. Don't compromise what you believe. I had a problem with with my boss one time. Ended up they retired me. But my wife's happy about that. Now I can do the floors instead of her. But anyway, anyway. Um, but he didn't like the way that I managed my group of people. Because I, teamwork, tried to be nice to guys, be nice to them, be nice to you, whatever. And as long as the work got done, it didn't matter. If, if I could, he never could say, well, the work didn't get done. I said, no. He said, but you didn't do it the way I said. I said, you want me to reprimand a guy for doing something right. I can't do that. So he calls HR. HR calls me. Did you do such and so? Yeah. Well, did he do that? I said, no. He said, well, your boss said he did. I said, well, he did. So you're saying he didn't do it? I said, no. He said, well, you can't write him up then. I said, I can't write, I can't write him up because I, he didn't do it. But he was trying to build a case to get rid of the guy. But he was an excellent worker. Well, the boy still has his job. I don't have mine, but praise God, he still has his. But it's important that we cannot compromise our principles, our godly principles, just because it's a job. A lot of people say, well, I could lose my job. Is, is what you believe more important? Or You understand what I'm saying? And it's, and, and it's a tough decision. There's a lot of people dealing with that decision right now. Believe me. This word from Jesus here says that we are not of this world. He's not of the world. Okay? But... We have to stay away from the influence of the evil one. And i got to move along here. So, from this that we know that the world has the potential to influence us. So, this was where I was going to start my message, but I couldn't get this far last week. So, if I'd have had a... I could have actually changed the title if I wanted to, but... Now I want to talk about controlling your influence. Controlling your influence. That would have been the title of the message if I had not not been able to get far enough last week, okay? Now, a lot of people say, what? That, well, you mean control your... You have the ability to control your influence. Not only the influence that you have, giving, but you can also control the influence that comes at you this way. Now, a lot of people say, well, whatever, okay. So, what do you, what do you think is the most... Who do, who do you think is most responsible for the influence in your life. 
Who do you think is most responsible, the most responsible for the influence in your life? Huh? You are. We are. We're the one that controls that. Okay? So, how do you control the influence in your life? You must control it by controlling what surrounds you. What surrounds you allows you to control the influences that comes into your life. Now, most influences, I will say most big influences, come through friends. So our friends probably have the greatest influence on us. And for today's discussion, I'm going to talk, I want us to identify three different kinds of friends. Not good, bad, and no, not like it. But, but, no, three types of friends. One is called distant friends. Now, a distant friend, they're the people you see occasionally, and your interaction with them is usually of a casual nature and on, the, on a surface level. You don't really dig down into anything. It's just, how you doing today? Great to see you. I want, you know, whatever, just a cordial get-by. That's like a distant friend. you got many of those. Many, many of distant friends. Then, next one is close friends. Now, you got fewer close friends. Now, a close friend, these are the friends that we see more often and whose company we really enjoy being around. Our, our conversations when we're together are centered on common interests, things that we have. Oh, your kids, you know, how's the kids doing? How's Barry doing? How's John? I mean... They're doing okay in school, you know, yeah. Well, man, I tell you, oh, my back's been bothering me. For, you know. Close friends. They just sit and care of that kind of stuff, right? But then there's one other one, and these, these friends are very few. I preached years and years and years ago that if you truly had one intimate friend, you were blessed. If you just had one. Now, if you've got two, three, or four, that's fine. But if you've got one intimate friend, you are truly blessed of the Lord. These are the well-established and resilient relationships. These are the ones that no matter what comes at either source, they're just like this. You go through the worst time of your life, they're right there. You go through the best time of your life, they're right there. You go through a type of suffering, they're there. It doesn't matter what it is. People can come against you. They might, as a lot of women say, I shouldn't say women, a lot of wives say, you can say all you want to about me, but you come against my husband and you got me to deal with. Because that's an intimate relationship. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you have an intimate relationship, then these relationships are deep-seated. Even... When we've been apart for a while. You ever been one of those closest? You've been apart for a while? For instance, I have a cousin in Alabama. Okay? Kenneth. We grew up together. I liked the farm, so my mother and them would drop me off at the farm whenever I could. If we had two weeks off, I was on the farm in Alabama. I lived in Florida, but we'd go to Alabama. If it was a week, I was up there. If it was Christmas break, I was up there. If it was summer, I was up there. I loved to be around the farm. Well, Kenneth and I are like brothers. We're about three years apart. He's three years younger than me. So we're like brothers. I haven't talked to him in probably, I don't know, six, eight months, nine months. I, I talked to him on the phone not long ago. But anyway, hadn't talked to him in a long time. I can drive up there today, 
pull in that driveway, get out of my car, walk up, and say, hey, hug your neck in here, and we can pick up on the conversation just like we had it yesterday. You know, so you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Those people are intimate relationships with you. You can talk about anything to them. Okay? In other words, we delight being around them. We feel encouraged in their presence. Their freedom to share deeply even our hurts, our disappointments, our embarrassments, knowing that we are loved and accepted no matter what we say, no matter what we're going through, that that relationship is solid. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? And you start thinking about who you have friends like that. And, and I hope that you have a, a handful of them. I really do. I hope you have two handfuls. But I'm saying hopefully you have one. If you don't, you need to start cultivating one. Okay? Because everybody needs an intimate friend. Everybody. One of the hardest things for pastors is to have somebody as an intimate friend that they can trust with everything they say, good, bad, or indifferent. And don't let anybody kid you, pastoring is lonely at the top. I've lived there for a lot of years. I know what it's I've lived it by experience. Is it, is it rewarding? Oh, yes, it is. But it's good to have that type of intimate friendship. So the greatest influence in our association will come through two of these, two of these the close friends and the intimate friends. Okay? Now, I'm praying and hoping that your intimate, intimate friendships are with godly people just like you. If they're not, you're in trouble. Okay? Because they're not going to understand you even though they say they do. Okay? But I'm hoping that that was there. But you have a lot of close, close friends. So the biggest influence that we get is from those. So if the biggest influence that we get is from our friends, hopefully not from the work, and you do have friendships at work, but and some people have close close friendships at work. You know, some people just got I come in the door, hi hi hi, good to see you today, whatever. And I go home and I don't think about them anymore. Okay, but there's other people that after work's over, you know, you go go out and get something to eat. You know, you have little friendships, right? So you're going to get stuff from close friends and intimate friends because of the positive and the negative influence friends have in our lives. We must be discerning in our associations. Now, the scriptures clearly point out six kinds of friends to avoid. Now, I'm going to have to hit these pretty fast here, okay? Unwise friends. You have any? Unwise friends. Ask them, a, ask them what they think about something and what comes out of their mouth. You want to know what planet they're from. Okay? I mean, I know some of you have them. But we all have those unwise things, okay? But we're going to hit these, hit these little spots here and see. Now, in Proverbs 20, verse 19. Now, if some of you may look at these. You notice I use the NASB 77. I don't think that's what it says on that one. That just says NSB. That's NSB 95, 1995. Mine all come out of the NSB 77 because that's what they told me. That's what the assemblies told me was sanctioned to be able to study when I was in Bible school. They told me I could study out of the NASB, and that was the 1977 edition because I went to school in 1977. 
for some of those unwise friends. Okay. Right. Proverbs twenty nineteen it says, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Now, contrary to popular belief, gossip can be the truth. Gossip can be the truth. So it's not what they're saying. It's the fact that they're saying it that's wrong. Okay? In other words, I can't even think of an illustration. But if somebody knows something about, all right, let's just say, for instance, I walked out and I tripped and fell going to my car. Right flat on my face. Now, everybody could look out there and 20 people could see me trip and fall. All right? Now, if you go over and say, Sister, Pastor Angela, guess what? Larry just tripped and fell all over his face. You should have seen him walk. And then you start building on him. You should have seen how he just walled around out there like trying to get up off the ground. You'd have, you'd have thought it was a rhino or something on the ground or whatever. He rolled over on this side, over on this side, trying to get his leg out. I guess like Joy does when she falls in the yard, right? I just... That was a little bit of gossip there. Right. But the thing about it is we, we, we have to have people who have if you If they're your friend, they need to be a confidant. They don't need to be able to go spill everything about you, every, every bad detail about you. You get around people like that, you're going to stay frustrated. Okay? Right. Anyway, let's move on. Next one is the, out of Proverbs 22, verses 24 through, 24 through 25. It says, do not associate with a man, and I insert here, or a woman, given to anger. Or go with a hot-tempered man or woman. Or you will learn his or her ways and find a snare for yourself. When you start paving, before you pick somebody as your friend, make sure they have the temperament temperament. And they're not people who are angry because when you're around people who are angry and you're a very peaceful type person, before long you will become angry. If you don't believe that, do you know what, the, what they talk about, the riot mentality? They can take a person who is doing something, who is a normal, everyday, mild-mannered Superman. He was a mild-mannered reporter, right, if you know about Superman. But... The thing about it, you can be a person can just be like and get caught up in the moment and turn their whole personality around. Why? Because they got caught up in it. You get caught up, and if you don't worry, it catches you up, and you get caught in those same things, and it, and so you end up being. So you got to make sure you're not around quick-tempered friends. Okay. Now, thirdly, in Proverbs 24, move it quick. My son, fear the Lord and the King. Do not associate. That's part of my message, influenced by association. Okay, associate. Do not associate with those who are given to change for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin and come from both of them. 
So the disloyal and discontent. How many people do you know that no matter what happened, there always something's happening to them? It's always something about going on about them. It's always about somebody's putting something on them. It's always about somebody doing something wrong to them. Somebody, whatever they can. They're discontent with everything. They're not even happy about themselves. They don't even like, they don't even like themselves most of the time. And, and people who don't like themselves, they surely can't love you because you have to love you. The Bible says love them, love as you love yourself. If you can't love yourself, how can you love anybody? You know? So the whole point is you need to watch this thing because people who are constantly changing, constantly moving, they're disloyal. They'll be, and you, if there's teenagers here in high school, the one you go, you think's your friend, and then all of a sudden you turn your back, you come to find out they went behind your back and did something. It's called being disloyal. They weren't loyal to you. They had two people. They tried to be loyal. You can't be loyal to both. Either they're going to be loyal to you or they're going to be loyal to someone else. That's how you have to distinguish your friends. That's where you find that intimate friend that's your friend. You're their friend. Their friend. Your friend. We're here. We're together. We got it. Right? It's just you and I. It's not what they care. It's not what they care. It's not what they care on. It's not about them. It's just about you and I. That's intimate relationship. That's what we need to have. And everybody needs at least one. Okay? So, Proverbs 28, 7. He who keeps the law is a discerning son, but he who is in companion with gluttons humiliates his father. Now, everybody says that means you're not supposed to be around people who are gluttons. Got to get into what the whole look at what the whole scripture is talking about. The whole thing of Proverbs, okay, when it's talking about that, it's talking about people who are self-indulgent. It's all about, it's all about them. It's all about what they indulge in. Hey, you need to, you need to go with me. This is really good over here. Indulge, indulge me, come on, just indulge me, you know? indulge me, come on, right? It's that drawing influence that they have, all right? Now. So the self-indulgent, stay away from it, all right? The immoral, Proverbs 29, 3. A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but he who keeps company with harlots wastes his wrath. Now, the word harlot takes that scripture, takes that one scripture, and says, as long as I don't have anything to do with a prostitute, I'm okay. That's not what it's saying. Okay? All right? But the thing about what he said, be diligent, right? So he said, but, but he says, keep company with harlots. Waste his wealth, okay? Giving away your money, whatever. But what is that that comes against you? What is the immoral thing that you're caught into? What is that immorality thing that has caught you and has grabbed you? That you waste wealth. You waste time. You waste all of the things on that have absolutely no gain to you whatsoever that's good. Okay? So, it, uh, all right, here's another example for this one here. In Proverbs 4, 23, uh, 4, 23 and then 25 through 27, he gives us, God, gives us even a strong, God gives us a stronger warning of the danger of the immoral, immoral friends. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Then skip down to verse 25. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. And who are you looking at? Jesus. Make your look straight ahead 
Don't look one way or the other. Keep it fixed on Jesus. Watch your path of your feet and all of your ways will be established. If you stay in that path, you stay focused, your path will be there. Joy talked this morning about our, the plan of God and how we zigzag through it. But the fact is we stay on the path. That's the whole point. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you, he's there. The path's here. You can always stay on the path as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, right? It's all there for us. But when you get your eyes on something else, it says, what's the path? Do not turn to the right nor the left and don't turn your foot to do evil. Don't turn your foot to do evil. Once you make the turn, you're committed to evil. You can stop as long as you keep your eyes firmly planted and so forth. And you say, well, we're talking about friends. You need friends, okay, that do not walk in this type of immorality. The next one is the fool. I like to call those really unwise people, but Proverbs 13 and 20. For he who walks with a wise man will be wise. I thank, I thank the Lord for the time that I was able to walk with pastor. And I feel like today I'm a wiser man because I walked with a wise man. If you walk with wise people, you will become that. All right. A fool is someone who re- is, is, is a fool is someone who refuses to acknowledge God and spiritual matters. As a result, will not turn away from evil. Kids have the hardest time in school with wanting to fit in. They want to be accepted. And they're willing to do something that goes completely against their teachings, their conscience, and everything else simply for the fact of being accepted. All of us have gone through that. And like I told you, I was blessed, and, 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 and sometimes it's hard for people to say, well, Larry, you can't relate because you never dealt with it. I ended up, because I was so popular, I could control easily who was around me, okay? But some people, they struggle with that, that acceptance that they want to be. But let me tell you what. To be accepted by God is the greatest friend you could ever have. There's no other friend that could stick closer to you and make your life better. Don't, don't go down to where they are. Live the life that will draw them up to where you are. Because we are the light of the world. And it's what we do that draws them to us. Okay? And you can do those things, right? We must sometimes be a fool if we think we have extremely spiritual strength and knowledge of God's Word. Sometimes we just become a fool. Sometimes we think we're smarter than we really are. Sometimes we think that we can overcome and change the person instead of the person changing first and then the association, right? So many times we... Now, I'm not trying to take... First of all, let me just say this. because I was going to say this in the beginning, but I forgot. I'm not talking about not witnessing to people. I'm not saying that you can't go out and witness to people. Okay? If they're unsaved, you can always witness to them. But your greatest witness is what you live before them. That's one of the greatest things that you have, right? So, sometimes if we are not as strong as we think, then the influence of our friends and of the world can cause us to compromise our values. 
I've said this long before. I'll say it over and again. I hear it every day on the news. If you listen to the news, talking about compromise and compromise and compromise. Compromise is nothing more than a lie. Because you got truth, absolute truth, and you got absolute lie over here and absolute truth over here. Anything in between that thing is a lie. The truth is truth, and everything else is a lie. If somebody tells you something that's 99.9% truth, and only one, what's that, a hundredth of a percent a lie, it's still a lie. Lies are lies, and, and many times we want to compromise our faith, our faith in God for something materially or natural. When God says spiritually, if we stay strong spiritually, it will keep this flesh. I've always said if your spirit's high, your flesh is under control. Your flesh is, your spirit's down, your flesh is in control. But the thing about it is God wants to be there. All right. Knowing the powerful impacts that can come, have on our lives, it's important that we examine our relationships to see if we have any worldly friends as associates. In our friendship circle. Because believe me, they will influence you more than you really know. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 puts it this way. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's important for us that we choose our friends wisely. And Peter mentions one aspect that we should use when selecting our friends. Second Peter 1 1, it says, Simon Peter, the bondservant of the apostle Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. We need this friendship right here with those of like precious faith. That's why we come together. Because when we come together, we influence one another. We influence us in you. Mike was talking about the unity, how God has put the church in the unity that we're pulling together. That's what it's all about. But how do, how do you have unity? You stick together. We've got to be sticky. You know, stick together, right? And if we begin to stick together and talk to one, 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 one another, we'll encourage one another. Hopefully not everybody in this church is going to be down at the same time. So the ones that's up needs to encourage but how do you encourage if you don't interact? It's hard for me to influence if I don't have some kind of... Now, I have the ability to be here to influence, okay? That's one way I can influence, right? Because I have this, uh, the pulpit here to be able to influence. But I can also be of influence just to sit down and talk. We, we go over to Jason and, uh, Jason and Shaw to have the, the meet, and, meet and eat thing, right? The, where we go, what it, what it is is just sharing. People sharing and getting to know one another. We need to get to know one another. There's people that, that come here, but we don't know each other. We're a small enough church and we ought to be able to know everybody. Be, I'm, I don't mean know everybody by name. I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about know everybody and who they are, what they do, where they are, where they're going. But we're too busy. A lot of times we're just too busy. Okay. Now, why is all this important? Second Corinthians. 6.14, do not, oh Lord, do not be bound together with, un, with, with unbelievers. For without partnership with righteousness, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? Now we talk about this part, 
We don't need to be partnering with darkness, light and darkness. We need to minister, yes, but we don't have to, we don't have to be part of the darkness. We're to be, first of all, if there's a light in the room, it's not dark. Okay? But we don't need to be messing around with darkness. And I like the way the Message Bible reads it. And it says, don't be partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Is light the best friend of dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But as but that is exactly what we are. Each of us is a temple of the Holy Spirit in whom God loves and has made himself put there. If we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, why would we want to take the temple of God and put it in the den of thieves in the world? But we, that desire, that drawing is what pulls us away. Now, remember now we're talking about friends. So what do you look for? What do you look for in friends? I won't have to move quick. How many of you give me five minutes? Okay. Plenty of time. All right. Look for spiritual growth. When we truly love someone, our desire is that they have an increasing interest in the things of God. Do your friends want an increasing God? Do they believe in reading the Bible, prayer, church attendance, witnessing, a godly relationship? And if we're committed to helping them mature, then we must be growing in our relationship with the Lord as well. Conversations about the Lord, prayer for each other, and open sharing about our struggles are all part of building a relationship in a Christ-centered life. That we are living and growing in the principles of the Bible. Another reason. When we conduct our attitudes, are we keeping with God's Word? We have, we have a good foundation for a true and lasting friendships. And if, if His Word is important to us, it should be a frequent topic in our conversations with our friends. It should be a pretty frequent subject, right? Surround yourself with people who lift you up, not tear you down. Remember, you will become like the people you spend most of your time with, so choose wisely. And I like this little saying. I just saw it. It's not mine, but I saw it. See your friends, see your future. See your friends, see your future. Now, I've got a whole bunch of benefits here. I'm not going to be able to finish that, so let me just skip ahead and close this thing out. Let me just do this real quick. I, just, I, do, I won't comment on them. I'll just tell them to you, okay? So what are the benefits of being influenced by good Christian friends? What is the benefits? One is you get safety and wise counsel. Safety and wise counsel, Proverbs eleven fourteen. if you want to read it. You get, your character will be protected. Your character will be protected if you have good Christian friends. Okay? That's out of 1 Corinthians 15, 33. You will remain sharp. 
you won't dull because you'll be doing iron upon iron. So you will stay sharp. And they will make you better. They will make it. That's the benefits. So, who is the greatest influence in your life? Should be the Word of God. Should be the Word of God. The Word of God has changed the world. It never changes. Even though the world's trying to change it, it doesn't change. The Word can be your greatest influence on you, but you first have to read and study it to get it there. Now I'm going to give one last admonition because I need to throw this in. This is for parents. As parents, we also have a responsibility of guiding our children and their selection of friends and guarding them from those relationships that could lead them astray. You're smarter than your kids are. I found that out after I was married and had kids. I thought I was smart when I was a kid, but the years of experience always make somebody wiser. Just years of experience itself. Teach your children how to pick their friends. Teach them how to pick their friends. And remember, they're smart too. And they'll see what types of friends you've chosen. We are to live an example before the kids, showing them right and wrong and making good choices. Teach them not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Many want to date those who are not Christians. Do not allow your children to do evangelism dating. Do not allow your kids to do evangelistic dating. That is, well, I'll just get them saved later. Later will not come. What you end up doing is losing your child to the world. Be careful what your children watch on TV. Even cartoons now deal with witchcraft, dark powers, sexual immorality, homosexuality, transgender, and the rest. Cartoons. I was sickened to my stomach watching an ad on TV that caught me by mistake. They were some drug company was, you know how they do their drugs? They do their drugs, and then the last thing is two guys walking away, and they, right there in the middle of the commercial. Oh! Mm. Father. Kids, see that. Watch what's going on with their cell phones. The Internet is waiting to teach your children the ways of the world. If we don't teach them the ways of the Lord, the world will teach them their ways. Stay alert. You will be able to see the small changes in their lives if you stay alert. You can see things beginning to change in their personality. They're changing their views when their personality starts changing. 
Because that's what personality is. It's what we believe. It's what we are. When you start seeing those things happen. So, all right, I'm going to close. I just hope this message, these three messages that I preached to you, has made you think about you, your influence on others by the association with them. But I also hope that you choose those with whom you are spending much of your time with is the correct type of friends to be spending that time with. Remember, do not conform to this world, but live a life before the world that will conform them to God. Never be shaken by your walk with God. Guard the things that influence you, but also become the greatest influencer on this world that you can. We have power and influence. It's time to use it for God's glory. Become an influencer when you walk out your doors. Remember, you are an influence in everything that you say and do when you're out there. And that's what God wants us to be. How many of you ready to be a great influencer? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Praise the Lord. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the word that you've given to me to give to these. Lord, I pray that the word will not just bounce off, but, God, that it will sit and rest in our lives to change our lives. Not for just a moment, but maybe a life-changing declaration, Lord, that we make to be an influencer for you and to stop being letting the world influence, influence us away from you. God, I pray right now for strength. I break every stronghold that keeps people from stepping fully away from the world and accepting you and everything that you tell them to do. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy that you give to us. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity today to have shared your word with your people. God, may it increase their faith and their confidence in you, Lord, in everything that they do. God, I pray that you go with us to our homes, that you keep a hedge of safety around us. Bring us back, God, at the next appointed time that we may worship you and praise you in every respect. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone, our prayer team's coming. If anyone would uh, needs prayer, I invite you to come up so that the prayer team would come up.